Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. KYW Original Podcasts. Merrill Reese, more unfortunate injury news regarding the Eagles that came out yesterday. Uh, We are recording this right now at 6.38 in the morning, and Doug Peterson is scheduled to talk at 10.30. So there could be official news on this by 10.30. But right now, as of 6.39, NFL Network is reporting that Jack Driscoll suffered an MCL sprain, a significant MCL sprain, and he's done for the season, which is really unfortunate. Merrill, have you ever seen anything close to the amount of injuries the Eagles offensive line has suffered this season? No, uh, the answer is clearly no. I've seen it in the defensive backfield a couple of years ago when they continue to get hit by injuries, but I never saw anything like this. I think this will be about their 13th different offensive line combination in 14 weeks. Uh, it's, it's fortunate that they have a wonderful offensive line coach like uh, Jeff Stallon but I don't even know how he handles this. Merrill, it's now six offensive linemen that are done for the season. Before the season, you had Brandon Brooks and Andre Dillard. Jason Peters is now done for the season. Sua Opeta is done for the season. Jack Driscoll, the news yesterday, and Lane Johnson. Six offensive linemen. Can you believe that? No, no. I, I, I don't know what the reason is. I did a show last night with Eric Allen. Mm-hmm. and uh, who is a semifinalist this year for the Hall of Fame. And, of course, he was a great defensive back uh, for the Buddy Ryan Eagles and beyond that. And we talked about his career and the fact that over his career, he hardly missed a game. And he played for 14 years. And I think about those, those great teams over the years. They all seem to stick together. Now, in 2017, when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, they had plenty of injuries, too. They, they lost somebody from each department, though, it mm-hmm. seems. It was spread out. I mean, they, uh, they lost uh, Jordan Hicks, best linebacker on the team. They lost their kicker, Caleb Sturgis. Uh, they lost their best special teamer, Chris Maragos. Uh, they lost player after player after player, and yet, somehow or other, they hung in there, and it was the next man up, and they made it work. But this team is getting hit heavily in concentrated departments. Yeah. Uh, first, it began with the offensive line. Then it spread to the secondary. And it's tough to keep going. But uh, give them credit. They, they hang in there. And they, they came up with a win last week. And this week, uh, they don't complain. Doug Peterson, you will never hear Doug Peterson or Jim Schwartz complain when they, when they have their media conferences. They say, that's football. We just move ahead. What were your takeaways from Jim Schwartz's Zoom yesterday, as well as special team coordinator Dave Phipp? Well, uh, Jim Schwartz was very pleased with the way his defense played. The big question was, how come when you see somebody like Josh Sweat have a game like that, uh, aren't you tempted to use him more? And he said, one of the reasons you get performances like that is because of the rotation. You've got to, you, you've got to keep guys fresh. 
He said, it's, it's a chicken or the egg thing. Do you, do you use him more? Or, and if you do, do you get less dramatic production? Or do you keep him doing what he's doing and then he can go in bolts? Uh, he used an, extra, an interesting expression about this week when you're going to be facing Kyler Murray. He said, you've got to keep them fresh because you need a lot of gas in the tank to follow around the Kyler Murray uh, for four quarters. What did Schwartz say about replacing Rodney McLeod? Well, again, he'll do it with a variety of people. Uh, he really uh, had some praise for Jalen Mills, who he says does everything you ask him to do, never complains. If he was the one who ended up the game on, uh, he said, 13, that's Michael Thomas, uh, he goes out and he does it. He said he really is a, is a team player who does whatever you ask him to do. But there'll be a lot of ways I think you'll see a lot of uh, 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 different people in that situation. Don't forget, you've also lost Devontae Maddox, mm-hmm. who has played safety at time. But uh, I think you're going to see a lot more of the rookie. I think you're going to see Kayvon Wallace quite a bit in this game. Dave Phipp, uh, Merrill, the two themes to Dave Phipp's Zoom conference, Jake Elliott and the punt return situations and who to use, whether it's Jalen Rager or Greg Ward. What did Dave Phipp have to say about those two topics? Well, he said, listen, uh, he said he still has confidence in Jake Elliott and uh, they keep working. They work on his mechanics. He's not going to go into detail about what the mechanics are. He said, but you keep working on it. He's a worker. He's not a guy who uh, gets squirrely and, and, and starts to have play head games with himself. He said he's just got to keep working. And Jake Elliott is a great athlete. He is a guy who, who has always had confidence in himself. I remember, I remember times when David Akers, uh, who was in the Eagles Hall of Fame, he had a stretch for a while where he missed field goals. They, they, most of them do. There are probably three that you could look at around the NFL in history and the ones that come to my mind throughout his long career. Adam Vinatieri was almost always money in the bank. So was Steven Goskowski. But at the end of his stay uh, with the Patriots, he started to lose it a little bit, and then he got it back. But he struggled at the end. Uh, Jake Elliott is nowhere near the end of his career. The one guy I can think of who is who – is, probably the best in the National Football League, maybe the best ever, maybe the best ever is Justin Tucker of the Baltimore Ravens. He never seems to have an extended slump. He'll miss a kick, but it's very, very rarely. Uh, Dave Fipp talked about uh, the, the punt returners, and he said that Greg Ward is the best decision maker on the team. He knows when he goes back there, he's going to do the right thing. And he pointed out that one that bounced over his head uh, and then rolled all the way down into the end zone. He said he did absolutely mm-hmm. what he's instructed to do, and that's basically if the football's coming down inside the 10-yard line, get out of the way and let it kick into the end zone. And every now and then you get burned by that because somebody downs it at the, the one or the two, but that one fortunately did run into the end zone. He said a punt returner has to be totally of the where, and I'm sure the coaches make him aware before he goes out there for the punt return of the situation, of the time, of the score, of the field position. And the the punt that people were uh, blaming Greg Ward for the most was the short one. It was end over end. And he would have gone under that diving for it. He couldn't afford to muff that ball at that point. So he did the wise thing. And unfortunately, it got the bad kick for the Eagles and moved deeper into their own territory down to about the 10-yard line. But he has total confidence. Greg Ward is the guy 
when you're in that situation. Now, Jalen Rager is the most explosive. He's the fastest. Uh, he will continue to use him when he thinks the situation is right. I would think that means when he has a lot of cushion, when somebody is put, uh, punting from deep in his own territory, and if a punter is going to try to drive it and not punt it just high with hang time so that they can surround him, and uh, they'll, they'll use uh, Jalen Rager in certain situations. I thought it was interesting, too, how Fipp brought up how he was planning on using Jalen Rager in the second half against New Orleans, but the, Sa the Saints never punted the ball in the yeah. second half, so, so never got an opportunity to do that. Merrill, it's a Wednesday, and unless the Eagles make the playoffs, which, of course, a lot of things have to happen, but unless they make the playoffs, this is going to be the last look back because the next two games after the Cardinals are against NFC East teams that we already talked about. Uh, Merrill, uh, there, there's a lot of games here, so hopefully I'll get all of them in. Uh, obviously, the Eagles and the Cardinals have an extensive history dating way, way back into the 30s. Um, Arizona leads the series. Uh, uh, by the way, I don't, I don't remember. I did not broadcast the games in the 30s. <laughs> I wasn't. Con contrary, contrary to popular, popular belief, there were games that were actually before me. <laughs> I was I wasn't implying that, um, but but I'm I'm happy that you acknowledged that just to make sure that I was not implying that. Uh, 120 meetings so far. Arizona or the Cardinals, whatever you want to call them, leads the series 59, 56, and five. Uh, By the way, they did they did begin. Not as the St. Louis Cardinals, right. but as the Chicago Cardinals. Right, 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 and 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 that's why I stopped, You know, I said Arizona, but it's really the Cardinals franchise. Uh, going back to '35, first they were based in Chicago, as you mentioned, then in St. Louis uh, for many, 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 many years, then in Arizona, and they were even called the Phoenix Cardinals for the early mm -hmm. par early part of their time in the desert. And of course, Merrill, you know, this is never really talked about, but they were also in the NFC East before the most recent realignment, uh, you know, almost 20 years ago or so. So uh, before we get into the games, I, I want to ask you, what do you remember about the time period when the Eagles and the Cardinals were division opponents? Well, they were, they were again, they were great, a lot of great games in that series. Uh, I remember the first game in Andy Reid's era was a game stolen by the Cardinals at the end. It looked like a, a win uh, coming to the Eagles and they picked off a pass and ran it into the end zone. I'll oh. never forget that. Oh, I it do was remember a heartbreaking that. Yeah. loss. Oh, I remember that I can that remember too. some of the games with uh, the quarterback. The, the first the ones when I began were Jim Hart. Uh, he was the Cardinals quarterback. Then I remember uh, Jake Plummer. They used to call him Jake the Snake. Mm -hmm. And uh, he would give the Eagles fits with his legs. So uh, let's start. Let's start in '79. Uh, I do remember Jake Plummer very well. He also played for the Broncos too. I think uh, October 14th, 1979, Bush Stadium. I'm curious what football was like at Bush Stadium. Uh, Eagles won 24 to 20. Randy Logan had a couple of picks, and Wilbert Montgomery 25 carries, 117 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, November 8th, 1981, Bush Stadium, 52 to 10. Jaws had four touchdowns. Harold Carmichael, five catches, 103 yards, two touchdowns, and Wilbert ran uh, for 118 yards on 20 carries. I picked that one because of the 52. You don't often see a team score 52. Does that ring a bell at all in 1981, 52 to it 10? It does. It does because the Eagles, were, the Eagles were very, very good. It was the year after their Super Bowl, and they, uh, they, they just seemed to score at will. They seemed to 
have problems late in that season, but there was a point at that season where they were at their very, very best. And Ron Jaworski was outstanding in that game. And Wilbur Montgomery, one of the best cutback runners I have ever seen. Uh, December t- uh, 20th, 1981, over, just over a little a month, a little more than a month after what I just mentioned at the vet, 38 to zip, as you like to say. Uh, Jaws had three touchdowns, and I picked this one out because Herman Edwards Merrill had two interceptions of, and if I'm mispronouncing his name, I'm sorry, Neil Lomax, two interceptions mm-hmm. of Neil Lomax. Do you remember uh, Herm having two picks that day? That, that yeah, I, I, do, I do remember Neil Lomax. He was a quarterback, I think, who had come from uh, Portland State. And I do remember the picks by Herman Edwards, uh, who is now, ironically, the head coach at <laughs> right. Arizona State. I didn't even think of that. So that's right. It's, a, it's interesting how that ended up being. Uh, November 17th, 1985. This is post for Meal. Bush Stadium, 24-14. Uh, and the reason I picked this one out, it may seem random, but the reason I picked this one too, three players, Merrill, attempted a pass for the Eagles that day. Jaws. Randall, who I'm guessing was a rookie or either very, very, very early in his career, and Herman Hunter had a touchdown pass to Mike Quick. It was the first touchdown of the game. Your broadcast partner, Mike Quick, had two touchdowns that day. And Reggie, they feasted on Neil Lomax, Merrill. Reggie White had three of the Eagles' seven sacks of Neil Lomax that day at Bush Stadium. Um, Well, Herman Hunter, first of all, was a return man and a running back. So uh, it, obviously it was, a, it was some sort of a, a gadget play. And uh, it wasn't unusual to see Reggie White wreak havoc on any team. And that day he just happened to pick the Cardinals. Well, seven, uh, it's, not the fir- it's not the only time the Eagles got Neil Omax seven times because two years later, November 1st, 1987, at Bush Stadium, a 28-23 win. Uh, they sacked Neil Omax seven times again. Uh, Reggie had two. Jerome Brown had two. Seth had one. Dwayne Giles, if I'm pronouncing his name correct, had one. Mike, uh-huh. Mike uh, Reichenbach had one. Sure. And, and, and Randall had three touchdown passes that day, including a 70-yarder to Kenny Jackson. A 70-yarder. I think it was Kenny Jackson's only catch in that game. Uh, a 28-23 win in 87 as the Eagles are starting to, you know, gain some traction in the Buddy Ryan era. Um, November, does, does something stick out to you in that particular game? No, only, only the Kenny Jackson was number one draft choice oh. of the Eagles as they tried to keep him from going to the USFL. Ah. Uh, but Kenny Jackson had a few big moments, but far too few. Uh, November 27th, 1988, the next season at the Vet, they were uh, the Phoenix Cardinals now. This was, I think, maybe their first year as the Phoenix Cardinals. They were the St. Louis Cardinals in 87. Now the Phoenix Cardinals, a 31-21 win, four picks and four sacks against Cliff Stout, if I'm pronouncing his name Mm -hmm. correctly, and Clyde Simmons had two and a half sacks. Reggie had one, and Jerome had the other half of one of Clyde's sacks. So it was uh, was another big day for the Eagles defense. That Eagles defense, Merrill, loved playing against the Cardinals. Yeah, they did. Dave, there was one game you didn't bring up. Sure. And it was, I think it was 1981. Um, 81 or 82, and it was at Bush Stadium. Do you have that? It looks like in 1982, I guess it was because of the strike, they only played the Cardinals once, and it was December 5th, 
it, it, yep. I, I didn't bring it up because it was a loss. It was 23 yes. to 20. Eagles were, let's see here, how did they lose? Well, they were behind. They were behind 23 to 7, and they made a late run in the second half, but it wasn't enough. Uh, Jaws had a touchdown pass to Wilbert in the third quarter. He had a touchdown pass to John Spagnola in the fourth quarter, uh, but it wasn't enough as the Eagles lost to uh, Neil Lomax and the Cardinals that day, 23 to 20. I remember waking up and looking out of the window of the hotel and there was some snow and I said, no big deal. This is St. Louis, <laughs> not Green Bay. And we went to that game and it continued to ice and snow. Oh. And in 44 years of broadcasting, it was the coldest I have ever been. Uh, you were in that stadium with the cement walls and the wind blowing in your face. It was so cold that our producer, a gentleman by the name of Jerry Rossett, went into the men's room in the first half. And he went into the men's room to stand near a heater and got all of our commercials out of the way in the first half <laughs> so he could go back and stand near a heater in the second half. I was almost back to Philadelphia before I could feel my fingers and toes again. And I was dressed somewhat warmly, but not for that day. It might not have been temperature-wise the lowest that I've ever worked in, but it was the coldest I have ever felt in my life. It was, it was absolutely awful. It was also the last day, the last game on the career of Eagles All-Pro left tackle Stan Waters, uh, who went on to become my color man starting in the sure. next year for the next 14 years. Well, not only was it a cold day, but it was an unfortunate Eagles loss. Uh, let's see here. 1989, October 15th, 1989, Sun Devil Stadium, a 17-5 to win. Uh, Tom Tupa picked off and sacked six times each. There were six interceptions and six sacks. Uh, Eric Allen, who you spoke to yesterday, yesterday had an interception. William Frizzell, Frizzell, Frizzell. William Frizzell. Buddy Ryan used to call him Lefty Frizzell, ah. the same name as a country singer. Al Harris had a pick, Izel Jenkins had a pick, Seth Joyner had a pick, and the late Andre Waters also had an interception, and Jerome Brown had two and a half sacks that day. Well, before they puffed out their chest too much <laughs> in that game, they have to realize that they beat a punter. The quarterback, Tom Tupa, was brought to the Cardinals as a punter, uh, came from Ohio State where he did some quarterbacking, but uh, he was not one of the better quarterbacks they faced over the year, and fortunately they had a win to show. Uh, six interceptions. Uh, it's, it's certainly a dominating performance despite the kind of close score. Uh, well, let me point out that, that they only have four now with games to go. That, you know, that, I didn't even think of that when writing it down. They, that's that's remarkable. They had six in that game, but they only have four this season so far. Wow. November 24th, 1991, Sun Devil Stadium. Uh, Randall's obviously not playing at this point because of the injury in Green Bay. 34-14 to 14 win. Seth and Clyde scored touchdowns on fumble recoveries that day in Arizona. Uh, September 13th, 1992, at Sun Devil Stadium, also uh, a 31 to 14, slightly different score, 31 14 win. Randall back from the injury, sensational, 17 of 22, 267 yards, three touchdowns, QB rating of 156.6. Uh, Fred Barnett, um, he had eight catches, 193 yards that day, two touchdowns, including a 71 yarder, and Reggie White had a 37 yard fumble return, a kind of more recent, almost 30 years ago. Does that win stick out to you, uh, 1992? It does. 
Uh, Fred Barnett was a terrific wide receiver. And as a matter of fact, uh, we see him from time to time. He'll come out to an Eagles game, and he still lives in the area. A buddy drafted five wide receivers, I think, that year and or the year before. But Freddie was known as a buddy and as Arkansas Fred. Ah. And uh, Reggie White had several touchdowns in his career. Still the greatest defensive lineman I have ever seen. No doubt about that. Uh, October 25th, I know this has to stand out, at the vet, a low 7-3 to score in 1992. The Eagles stopped the Cardinals, according to an NFL Films video that I watched, on seven consecutive goal-line plays uh, at the vet. What, What stands out to you about that particular stand? I remember that the Cardinals' offensive line coach during that time, later became the head coach of the Washington team for a while. His name was Joe Bugle, and he felt that that offensive line could blow the Eagles up, and they could not. And they kept giving the ball to a running back by the name of Livonia Albert Mitchell, who was commonly known as Stump Mitchell. And time and time again, they ran the same play. And there were penalties involved. There were there were all kinds of illegal procedures. And they kept going back to the same play. Hit them. To, they're just going to overpower them. It was the greatest goal line stand I ever saw. And they, and they never got in. Never they got never in. Never got in. Uh, I'm going to do some rapid fire here to get to some of the uh, Andy Reid and, and the most recent one. Let's see here. Uh, November 6, 1994, 17-7 win at the Vet. Eagles improved to 7-2 and two on that day in 1994. Fred Barnett, who we just mentioned, 11 catches, 173 yards, two touchdowns. And Merrill, that stands out because I think that was the last win of the Richie Cotite era. They lost, they lost the rest of the games that season and I think finished 7-9. and nine. Uh, November 10, 1995. That was during the year where Richie Cotite got off to a good start right. and said, I'll let my record speak for itself and then never won again. No, they did not. They finished seven and nine. And then Jeffrey Lurie moved on to, um, to Ray Rhodes. Uh, November 10th, 1995, Sun Devil, 31-19 uh, Eagles win. William Thomas, 37-yard pick six. Uh, Rodney and Randall both played that day. Uh, I'm guessing, did, 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 did Randall get benched or did, did Rodney come in uh, November 10th? 1995 does it does that stick out to you Merrill well Randall Randall was faltering at that point Randall was having a, an off season and Ray Rhodes pulled him as I remember and went to Rodney Pete I actually I was mistaken it was September 10th 1995 it was the second game so I'm yes. guessing Ra- Randall was playing poorly and, and he went to Rodney it was uh, and, and and really uh, Ray Rhodes was not happy with the way Randall was playing. He thought he was still time trying to do too many things on his own. He wasn't following the game plan, and he just said, I have to make a change, and he went to, to Rodney Pete. Later on that season, December 17th in 95, a 21-20 win at the Vet, a one-point win. The Eagles were down 17 to zip. And they came back. Derek Witherspoon, 86-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Uh, Rodney Pete found Calvin Williams early fourth quarter for the lead. And William Thomas had two picks that day for the Eagles. And they ended up going on to the playoffs and beating the Lions later on. William Thomas, we called him Willie T, was an outstanding linebacker. And he had the propensity for finding the football. He had great instincts. And he had a lot of interceptions, too, that day. Uh, no, uh, December 22nd, 1996 at the Vet. I think this is the last game of the regular season, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, 29 to 19, Eagles improved to 10 and 6. Mike Mamula had a four yard fumble return very early. Boomer Siasen's playing for the Cardinals in this game. Eagles led 23 3, and they held on 29 19. And of course, they went on to the playoffs to lose to the 49ers in the first round. November 17th, this is the one I want to get it to, wanted, wanted to get to. November 17th, 2002, final year at the vet, a 38 to 14 win. Merrill Donovan McNabb was incredible. 20 of 25, four touchdowns, 255 yards, and he did that on basically one leg. What do you remember about that afternoon at the vet? Yeah, he actually had a broken bone in his leg and came back and played the second half. You talk about gutsy performances. That was right there. I mean, he, he didn't complain. He actually was out uh, for about four weeks after that and came back and played, finished that season. Yeah. But uh, played with the, it was a broken fibula, I believe. You know, he gutted it out and had four touchdowns that day on basically, on basically one foot. Um, November 27th, 2008 at the link, Thanksgiving, uh, very topical. Donovan was benched in the second half against or at halftime against the Ravens the week before. Uh, we're wondering if the Donovan McNabb era is over. And he comes out on Thanksgiving and lights up the Cardinals 48-20 to 20 at the link. Four touchdowns. Westbrook, four total touchdowns. Brian Westbrook rushed for 20, uh, 110 yards on 22 carries. Two touchdowns that, that night at the link. They beat the Cardinals, who unfortunately they lost to in the NFC Championship NFC game. NFC Championship game, yeah. Only yeah. a, a couple of months later. But they beat the Cardinals so decisively so decisively and and donovan just bounced back he, he sat the, the second half as you might uh, pointed out against uh, the ravens in baltimore and uh, andy said right after we're going right back to donovan mcnab and he did and donovan mcnab finished the season very very strongly and then merrill i'm going to end on this one because um it's just amazing how we've we've gone from one point to another uh the last time the eagles played the cardinals i believe October 8th, 2017, at Lincoln Financial Field, a 34-7 to blowout of Carson Palmer and the Cardinals. Uh, the other Carson, Carson Wentz, four touchdowns, three of them in the first quarter, and then later on his fourth was a 72-yarder to Nelson Aguilar, and Wentz Merrill was just awesome that day, 21 of 30 for 304 yards in that four-touchdown uh, performance, and look at where he is now. Amazing, isn't it? Well, it's it's amazing, but that was a stretch in 2017 where the Eagles, on a weekly basis, were blowing out teams. Yeah. That team was outstanding, and it took them all the way to a world championship. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we will see what Jalen Hurts does on Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals, a much better Arizona Cardinals team. Uh, and Merrill uh, will continue to preview this throughout the week. Thanks for the time, and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Dave. Voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.